Amen. 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 Well, we are we are we're still in our stewardship series. Um, I've been I've been my life is being changed by our time in this series. How many have God been up in your grill during this series? As God's been, it don't lie. Tell the truth, shame the shame all the enemies you got. Amen. Um, um, including the devil. Um, you know, um, th- this this has been a great a great time for us. Now we're into the umbrella section, the underarching section, uh, under the big umbrella of stewardship. One of the things that we've tried not to do is we tried not to, to to limit stewardship to to budgeting and and debt resolution and and giving. You know that that that's usually when you hear stewardship series. It's the, the delimitations are around those three issues. Those are under the umbrella of the idea of stewardship. Um, um, but, but, but one of the things I do want to say is we took a long time to get to money. We're a church plant. Anybody know what a church plant is? Who doesn't know what a church plant is? You're like, what in the world is that? Is that a different type of flower I need to buy? Nah. A, a, church, plant, a church plant is a church startup. You start a church because they are unreached people groups or they are Christians that are undiscipled without what we would call ecclesiological authority and um, God's means of grace through the local church, the sacraments, baptism, uh, communion, um, in place and leadership, elders, deacons, whole nine, all of God's constructs of uh, uh, put in place into a local assembly of people. That, that, that's, that's why a church gets planted, and that's what we're looking to see God uh, put in place, and also the mission of God and the edification of his people. And so as we've planted, we, we've understood um, that those under about the age of 45, even above, but, 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 but really, really under the age of 45, um, have a particular thought in mind when church comes to mind, especially when it comes to money. Usually when money's talked about, man, cash shut down because there has been, there has been a, 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 such a raggedy, uh, a, such a raggedy and, and timid punk way that really money has been talked about that has been limited to giving um, and it's been limited. Um, it's been limited to debt and wealth, and it's been limited to that. And that's such a little part of it, even though it includes that. And so, and so, I want I want to apologize on behalf of all pastors for those of you who, whether Christian or non-Christian, have have been subjected to um, our teaching as leaders who have failed in giving you an understanding of God, but wanting to get at your loot. However, what I don't apologize for is talking to you about money. Amen. Now. That doesn't mean we don't talk about it and go the other direction. Jesus told his disciples, when you make disciples and when you baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teach them everything that I taught you. Therefore, we, we, uh, full gospel doesn't just mean the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you talk about full gospel, we talk about, uh, we talk, which we don't adhere to that here, but we do and we don't. Um, whole nother story. But from Genesis to Revelation, it means unequivocally, uh, unashamedly preaching everything that God says in his context with Jesus at the center. That's, that's what, when we say full gospel, that's what we mean, okay? And, 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 so, and so we have to teach on giving. And so, so today as we dive in this text, we're going to be in Proverbs 3, real interesting little passage. So flip your Bibles there. Um, if, if, if you don't have them, pull out your iPhone or whatever you got. Look up, a, a download it real quick through your app. Get your ESV real quick. You can download it, 3G. Uh, right now, we don't have free wireless right now. You may have 4G because you got Verizon, so what? But download, um, <laughs> download, download, down, download, download your Bible app. Download your ESV, your Blackbird, whatever you got. Let, let's get in this Bible. Proverbs 3, 
Proverbs 3, and we're going we're gonna to zoom in on verses 9 and 10. Why are you, why you, why you going there? Look up at me. Look back up at me after you finish it. What's interesting is, uh, you know, I, I remember when I was 14 years old, uh, growing up in Washington, D.C., when Mayor Barry was the mayor. Shut up. Leave Mayor Barry alone. If you're from D.C., you, you, we fight for, you know, Mayor. <laughs> Woo! Praise God for his work. But, um, but Mayor Barry, you know, y'all understand, like people from outside of D.C. say, why do y'all love, you know, Mayor Mary Barry so much? Well, the reason why we love him so much is because he, he was the mayor during the whole crack era, you know, and the whole crack era, when crack came in and when crack went out. Um, and one of, the, one of the things that was crazy is he had this summer youth program. I remember he started, I was 14 years old, making 335 an hour, minimum wage, Amen. Now, don't ask how long ago that was. That ain't none of your business. All I'm saying is that was the minimum wage during that time, all right? And so, um, and, and, and so, and so one of the things I, you know, got in the program, man, and was enjoying working, you know, had my first job. Ever since then, I've had a job, praise God. Um, um, I remember after that, I started working two jobs. But I remember back in them days, you know, making three thirty-five an hour. You know, I got my little check, was angry because I had never heard of taxes. So I'm like, I got $3.35 an hour. Then y'all got the nerve to tax me on that. My father was in two wars. I need to be tax-free at least for a millennium. You know what I'm saying? And so um, so got my little $3.35 an hour. And as we was working towards our checks, you know, we trying to do calculations. And, you know, and you know, one of the things we thinking through, we thinking about what we was going to get. Cass was talking about Jordans. I'm going to get them new J's because that's when them J, the first J's came out. So we was about to get the first J's. We was like, yeah, we was about to get those. And. Be quiet. I stopped making faces. It was a long time. I know it was a long time. I see people like, dang, how old is this dude? So, so, the, first J's, so the first J's came out, and may, as you know, you get one check from $3.35 an hour. You may have to save part of the next check to get, you know what I'm saying? Your joint. So if you buy the shoes, you can't even get to work. You got to walk in your J's to work. And so the whole time we were, we were working on, you know, getting our little money, um, one of the big things that, um, that, 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 that happened with us is it, it, we were always thinking about what we were going to do with our money for us when we got it. In other words, this is what I'm going to buy. I'm going to get this. Oh, man, I'm going to the movie. That new movie come out. Oh, man, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get that. That new shirt. I'm going to get the teeth. I'm going to get da 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 And so we're thinking through all of that. We're thinking about how to spend everything we got on us. And I can remember just as I've grown up and even becoming a Christian that I still struggle with that. I still struggle with dreaming about my finances for me. Like, like I ain't even talking about my wife yet, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, you'll get something, you know. But in my mind, I'm just horrible, just thinking about what I'm going to do, what I'm going to buy, what I'm going to and just planning with no Holy Ghost in mind. Just, just, just thinking about and dreaming about self-benefit. And so today we're getting into a passage we're getting into a passage that is, is a paramount passage because Solomon is talking to his young buck, Rehoboam, who's going to be king one day. And he's chopping with his young buck, and he's sitting down. Um, they're probably up in one, I don't know if they're walking through one of the forests he created, and someone carrying their robe as they're walking through the forest, and he's chopping with his son, somebody holding the scroll in front of him, and they're walking through the forest um, or walking past one of his excavation systems, and, 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 and he's just chilling, chopping with his young buck, saying, look, my son, listen to my teaching and listen to your mom's instruction. And Rehoboam, like, I don't know if he, you know, chewing from the chewing gum tree, looking at dad, like, 
dad just talking, you know what I'm saying? So he's walking and dad is kind of pouring into his life a whole bunch of stuff. Now, you got to understand how, Ray, how, how young Ray Ray grew up, all right? Ray Ray, Ray Bone, Ray Ray. Come on, y'all. Stay with me. And so, so you got to understand how this dude grew up. This dude grew up, somebody took notes, Ray Ray. Um, <laughs> but, 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 what's, but what's interesting, but what's interesting is he grew up with his dad being a trillionaire. Now, we ain't talking about billion, trillion, zillion, like Richie Rich type money. You know what I'm saying? I, I know, my bad. I'm sorry. I know, I know, Keisha. They don't know who that is. They're like, Richie Rich? I need to go on on demand. Come back. <laughs> but, I mean, he, he had mad loot. He, I mean, when Red Bone woke up, somebody washed his face, washed his underarms. You know what I'm saying? Had his tunic and all his stuff ready for him. So you got to understand how this dude grew up. I mean, gold in his day was like water, the Bible says. Bible says gold, poor people was wearing fat cables back then. You know what I'm saying? I mean, gold was just regular, hair and bone, everything. I mean, and, um, um, you know what I'm saying? So, 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 so back then it was regular. So he got somebody put on his coat. He talking to one of his boys. Yeah, man, because I was looking, man. He getting his hair done, getting everything done for him. So he's like a brat. He's like a dude that grew up with more than a silver spoon in his mouth. You know what I'm saying? And so he grew up with his dude, his pops having everything, mad concubines, mad wives, um, houses galore, walking on gold floors, bling bling everywhere, topaz, onyx, not just diamonds, black diamonds, yellow diamonds, pink diamonds, rubies. He grew up in this type of environment. And so dad is like, I know because I didn't grow up like this, even though my dad was rich. I've got to school my son. I've got to disciple this dude. So as he's going through Proverbs, he said, I got to pour into this dude because, man, he grew up in a way that I didn't grow up. And so I'm going to have to walk him through what the disposition of his heart before the Lord needs to be like, because he's growing up in such a wealthy environment and, and he's, he tells people to do, he don't know what it's like, like to wash dishes and to, like he's never killed a calf before. People do that for him. So, so daddy's like, I, him, Solomon being a, a good dad is saying, yo, come here, son, let's chop together. And so as we get up in this Proverbs, I want you to have from a background standpoint that in your mind as we read this and the nature and purpose for this that he's reading. Verse 1, and we're going, we're going, I want you to read, I want us to read this whole thing so we can see kind of the context of this. He says, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you, son. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, son, son. He says, so, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Son, brand this on your heart right here. I want you to really hear what I'm saying to you. Trust in the Lord, son, with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding, son. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make straight your path, son. Yes, dad. Be not wise. I know you think you know everything, young buck. 
You know everything. Before I say something, you run in your mouth. Shut it down, son. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, son, and turn away from evil. Guess what it's going to be for you if you do this? These are the promises of God, son, son. He said, it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Now, I know as we walk around, son, we got a lot of stuff. We got a lot. We got every, people are shipping in apes from, I know you saw the queen of Sheba when she came in, son. I know you saw all that loot that she brought with the caravan. But, son, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your bonds will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. And when you, you're going to trip out on God just like I have. So, son, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, and be wary of his reproof, or be wary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves, as a father, the son in whom he delights. Now, all of this, you got to understand, Proverbs is, is always, I know this seems like they're just scatterbrained quotes, but Proverbs does have a context. It, it does have a context. And there are three main things within verses 1 through 12 that he's trying to get his son to zoom in on. He's trying to get his son um, to zoom in on peace an understanding of shalom, comprehensive wholeness, based on verse 2. He, he's giving him principles of shalom that comes through applying biblical wisdom. Then he wants to give him principles of trust. Then he wants to give him principles of honor. Shalom, peace. He, 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 wants, to give him, he wants to give him principles of trust. He wants to give him principles of honor. We're in a section on honor here. And now he's talking to his son about giving. It's interesting that before he tells him about honoring the Lord with his wealth, he talks to him about trust in the Lord with all your heart. See, in giving... It's more about the heart than the pocketbook. So he starts with his son in the disposition that his soul needs to have, and he reiterates it. And that's what brings us to our first point. God's glory must be our primary motivation in giving. God's glory. One commentator says of this passage, he says, he says this, he says, this verse, of course, these verses is often understood as a promise of guidance and sometimes even as a warrant for choices that go against one's own judgment. He quotes somebody saying, it seems crazy, but I felt the Lord leading, shuts the quote and says, however, true it may be that God's guidance can lead us in unexpected directions. He said a study of the verse in its context will both enrich and challenge this understanding. He says, in short, the teaching of this chapter urges its readers and hearers to give up their fantasies of self-determination. In other words, the illusion of control, the illusion of I do it in my strength, the illusion of pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, the illusion of self-sovereignty and self-sufficiency, and turn to wisdom and a guide and protector from the real danger from self-destruction. So as we do this, we're going to walk through this passage, and we're going to <coughs> talk about where Jesus is and his gospel here in this passage. 
So he says in this passage, which I love, he says, honor the Lord. We got to spend a lot of time on that. Honor the Lord. Now, now the word here, I got excited, almost did some eisegesis. I thought the Hebrew word here was kabod. But, but as, I, as I began to peruse the Hebrew text, I saw that it wasn't kabod, but kabed. A, a cousin word of the word kabod is normal use is the word for glory. Say glory. Yeah, but this is a cousin word here, which it almost is a synonym, but has a different nuancial significance in the text. Uh, kabed is a beautiful word. that It means to, uh, to honor God as a means to give him his rightful place of authority in your life. Giving God, not anybody else. You give God first or central, that's what happens. But it means as his rightful place in our lives. The word also means give him the right place of spiritual importance. Give him worship. The word has an idea of worship. In the nuance of the word, it means worship. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. And also it means to make something heavy. In other words, for something to have weight in your life. In other words, he's telling them, son, I want God to have more weight in your life than anybody else. That's what we got to ask ourselves, fam. Does God, is God the weightiest person in our life? See, see, when we talk about giving, we can talk all about tithing, offering, grace giving. What should you give first? What, what, what should you give? But the question is, is not just the giving, but what is, where is the disposition of your soul? Does your heart long for God? Does your heart, or do you really like God? You know what I'm saying? Do, do, does, does he make you leap or does he frustrate you? See, honoring the God makes, God, honoring God impacts everything. It impacts how you look at everything. And so Solomon is wanting Rehoboam. He says, I don't want Alut to have the maximum amount of weight in your life. I don't, I, listen, listen, Rehoboam, Ray Ray, I don't want the chicks you got on your arm to be where your weight is. So you think because you can pull chicks because you're my son, and you know they like your wealth, and they come around and they get the loot and they're gone. You know what I'm saying? I know it's going. He talks about gold diggers a few chapters later. He taught his son on everything, y'all. You know what I'm saying? So he's trying to get his son. He said, if I, he said, before I even get into all the specifics of the book, I have to see and have to help you to be nurtured in your disposition before God. Because if your disposition in your heart before God, son, is not right, if it is not in the proper place, everything else is going to be jacked. And, 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 so, and so he says to his son, it, he, he wants his son to have a proper disposition before his Lord in giving God highest status and central status. Like we always talk about here, that's why we talk about Christocentrism. In other words, we don't believe in God being first. We believe in God being central. When God is central, he permeates everything. When he's first, he's just a check off on the list. Then you can do what you want after that. But when he's central, he's the vein that brings blood of life into every area of your life. So when you honor the Lord, when your heart is saying, God, I don't want any area of my life to be unturned by you. God, come here and run shop, wreck shop, even if it hurts me, even if it pains me, even if I got to lose something, God, I'm going to honor you no matter what. I wish somebody would hear me today. There's somebody here is struggling with honoring God centrally. And God says, the only way life, my life is going to come to every area of your life if you 
say reign here, God? Will he reign? Well, when you say, God, I want you to reign. I want you to be on the throne. He's teaching his son. He said, I know you're going to sit on the throne, throne, but you're just a figurehead for God, son. He said, I don't want you to get all on the throne, even though his son later on wows out. Kingdom splits because <laughs> he didn't listen to daddy. He listened to, the, to his friends versus the others. So he, he's, he's, he, God, even, God even uses his dad to help him. Then later he gets wiser and says, dad, I messed up and tries to get the kingdom back by his own hand. But what's beautiful here when he talks about honor is it also points to a more massive figure. It also denotes a human response to Yahweh's love and favor. That's beautiful. It it, it points to a proper response to God's love and favor. Uh, And this human response is in concrete acts and conduct. Not just esoteric phantom theology. Somebody ought to hear me this morning. In other words, I'm not talking about intellectual attainment by itself that doesn't turn into transformational impact of the soul. It has its source in Yahweh's hesed. This is beautiful. Hesed is, is, is an untranslatable word that, that, that talks about that talks about the loyalty of God. In other, in other words, it talks about God is loyal to his people. It, it, it points to what the honor that God is due is based on the loyalty that he has towards us. As raggedy as you are, as jacked as you are, as secret as your sins are, or as public as your sins are, God is showing you hesed even now. And he's saying honoring him is a proper response to that hesed. I wish y'all would talk back to me today. Because if you've been impacted by the untranslatable chesed of God, you would want to honor him. It's a motivational factor. Money and giving and reaping is not the motivational factor. God is the motivational factor. Honoring him is the motivational factor. Having his stamp of approval is the motivational factor. Honoring God and God turning your life upside down is what you want. Listen, if you are a Christian and you're hiding areas of your life, you will never be the steward that he wants you to be. You will never be the steward that he wants you to be because you are attempting to hide light from areas of darkness. And in order to properly honor God, listen, you got to open up your life and say, God, looky here, looky here. I'm hiding from you right here. And let him come in, shine light on it. Because and what he does is he comes in with chesed, not hatred. That's, that's, that's what he does. That's what he does. And so, and so he's, he's really wanting his son to get it. I like it. In 1 Samuel, you don't have to turn there. Chapter 2, verse 30 says, Therefore the Lord, the God of Israel, declares. He's the only one that can declare. You can't declare or decree anything. Amen. Somebody going to get that on the way home. Shut it down, family. Shut it down. He said, I promise that your house and the house of your father should go in and out before me forever. He said, but now, declares the Lord, far be it from me, for those who honor me, I will honor. He said, and those who despise me, I shall esteem them lightly. God, God takes honor seriously. God takes his place in our lives seriously. 
Everything in our life, family of God, is an outflow of our disposition of heart towards him. I, I mean, I don't know how many times or how long I can harp on that. But I'm telling you, anything in your life is jacked. If you follow the trail of dead bodies in your life, you will trace it back to the root of a lack of honor towards the Lord. <laughs> so, so anything that you want right in your life, it starts with your fellowship and koinonia with God, not with the situation that you're looking at as a symptom of the honor. I wish I had more time to spend on that, but I got, I got to move forward. Then it says, honor who? It's a person. Now, don't, don't skip what he said. Don't skip this. The Lord, yeah. Not Adonai, Yahweh, or, 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 or the, the sovereign Lord. It's his covenant name. It says, when Abraham, in Genesis 12, verse 8, he went out into the land of Canaan, and he built an altar to the Lord, and he called on the name of the Lord. Yahweh, he called out to distinguish himself covenantally from the other altars that are around and all the other people that were worshiping other gods. He says, the altar that's being built here is not for Baal, it's not for the Asherim, it's not for that girlfriend God, it's not for that dude God, but it's for Yahweh only. So I'm showing my missional distinctiveness by calling the covenantal name of the one I'm in a relationship with even though we all worship, I'm telling you who I worship. So the Lord designates relationship. Meaning, if you think you're honoring God and you're not a relationship with him, you can't honor him. You're not empowered to honor him. He doesn't give the grace for you to honor him. True honor of God only comes through a person. They look forward to him. And we get to experience him. And that's Jesus. So he says, honor the Lord covenantally. So it's talking about honor that comes through relationship. But then he goes down. Now we can get into the meat and potatoes of this. I know y'all want to get to the other stuff. But this is the important part of this for us to zoom in on. So honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruit of your produce. Stop there. Now, this, this, this is where... He's talking to Rehoboam, and he knows that more stuff is going to come in. Whenever someone brought anything into Solomon, he cut off the top of it and gave it because he wanted to make sure that he showed himself, the people around him, and ultimately God that everything is his. Everything. Although I'm giving you a portion, God, and the portion is wholly yours, all of this is totally yours. I'll explain that in a second. Now, now, when he says the first of your wealth, it assumes that everything you bring in as currency is wealth, even if it's not a lot. So it's not just talking about a lot of stuff, honor the Lord with a lot of stuff. It's saying anything. The word doesn't mean wealth like you're rich. It means that whatever God provides as currency, like back then they had goats. You could trade a goat for, for something, you know. Let me, let, me, let me have your goat for this... Uh, let me have your lamb for the, so that there was more, there was a broader currency base, right? <clears throat> and because their currency base was way more complex than ours. I mean, I'm telling you, it's nine, t I mean, a million times more complex. But, 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 but Rambourne was going to get some stuff in. And so he says, with that wealth, I want you to honor me. But then he used the word that I didn't even pay attention to till I started studying this passage. Rock me to the next century. First fruits. First fruit, is, it's, it, it's, it predates the law, and it predates tithing as a principle. 
We'll talk about, I'll show you where it is. But, 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 but first fruits in its essence means best. Means best. It means honor the Lord with the best. Oh my God. Not honor him with the last, but the first. See, you got to understand agricultural uh, theology here in this passage. See, first fruits would have been when, if, they, if, they, if their lamb had a litter, the firstborn come out, he blind, so you give him to the Lord. No. First fruit didn't just mean the first that came out. Like, I'm going to oh, he blind. He's not going to work out. Here, God, his leg broke when he came out of the canal. Now he take, nah, you can't get that to the Lord. So the next one that came out, or the ones in the litter that were the most viable and the strongest, you give to the Lord. When they, when they pressed olive oil in the vat, or in the vat when they pressed olive oil, I don't know if y'all went in the market and it said extra, extra virgin, then they got extra virgin, then they got virgin. All of those are different presses of olive oil. The best press of olive oil is the one that comes out on the first press. You capture that, take that aside, that's extra, extra virgin. Then you got, then you, but then they had wine too, they had grapes, so they were making wine. So the first press of wine, I'm telling y'all, is the best one. Clackadokin. It comes out, you put that thing aside, put it up and say, twist that off, hold that for another day. You know what I'm saying? But that's the one. This is not, now you got to understand, they smelling juices and, and, the, and the aroma of the olives coming out. I mean, they got black olives, gray olives, uh, purple olives. I mean, they press that thing and the olives come out and they smelling like, oh God, that's going to make some good, that's going to make some good sauteed spinach right there. Saute that with some spinach. I mean, put that down in the wok before the lamb get in. I chopped the lamb up. I mean, it's, and it's oh, honor the Lord, honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. Then, that, uh, then the wine from the first press, he, you know, you put that thing around, you go. That's the, that, the good first press of wine you can't keep. God keeps the good stuff. Now, now I'm going to explain why. Because <clears throat> God is so concerned with us worshiping him that he wants us to remove the best that we have and give back to him so we won't worship what's best, but we worship the one who blessed. See, 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 if they would have kept the best, they'd have been like, dang, this is booming. Give God, you know, give him whatever. Now, God wants you to give the best because he's so concerned about worship for him. He's so concerned about honor of him is that he's saying, I want the first. I want the best. I want the best of the best. Give it to me. And what's so powerful about the Lord Jesus Christ, what's so powerful about God the Father is God the Father Never ask us to do anything that he doesn't do. Know why? Because he gave his first fruit. The Bible says that Jesus is God's first fruit. Matter of fact, he made a pledge before we were created to give to us before we existed. The Bible says that Jesus Christ was slain before the foundations of the earth. So, so God was doing a building program before there was ever a church because the Bible says that Jesus is the cornerstone. Somebody ought to hear me. And if you understand the eternal building that every believer is bricks and the Bible says that the foundation is the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. So God financially sold eternally into the life of us, it, all of it. And that was his only son. He didn't get like, all right, I got 10. Come here, Jesus. No. It was his only, his only begotten son. And the Bible says he was pleased to crush him. He didn't give grudgingly like, dang. 
these jokers, they're sinful. They're raggedy. They're going to rebel against me. No, it says that he gave, he did not spare his own son in Romans 8.32. It says he did not spare his own son, but he gave him, and he is the firstborn of many creation. Now, in the, I, I, can't, I ain't got time to talk all about just how Jesus is the tithe of all creation, just in his, oh, anyway, anyway uh, yeah, I mean, but, but his worth is so central, his worth is so powerful, and God being rich with everything gave the greatest asset that he had, his son. He gave himself, and he sacrificed him, saying, if I can give him my best, y'all punks can give the best of what you got. Don't whine to me, because I give too. So, 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 so Jesus is God's communication that I'm a giver to. And the Bible says that he was pleased to crush him. He, he, Jesus, while Jesus was dying on the cross, he was enjoying the result of what his work was going to produce. He wasn't grudgingly giving the son, but he did show that creation was bound with that dude when thunder and lightning came forth and it started earthquaking. Ah, uh, first fruit. So God gives among his first fruits in Christ. Being that first fruit, what's interesting, Cain and Abel. You see, Cain and Abel, <clears throat> powerful, right? Most people <coughs> look at this. You don't have to turn to Genesis 4. Now go ahead and turn there. <clears throat> Genesis 4. It says, Genesis 4. Keep your finger in Proverbs for you. Yeah, hold on to Proverbs. It says, now Abraham, I mean, now Adam, verse 1, knew his, knew Eve, his wife. I like the Bible's terminology. He knew her. Um, and she received and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man child or a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain was a worker of the ground in the course of of time came brought to the Lord an offering the fruit of the ground and Abel also brought the first fruit um, firstborn uh, and um, of his flock and their fat portions and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering but for Cain and his offering he had no regard so Cain was angry and his face fell and the Lord said to Cain why are you angry man and why is your face, like my mama say, fix your face. God don't play with that. If you do well, though, he encourages him, you will, not, you, you, uh, you will not be accepted. And if you do not do, you will be accepted. But if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. It's interesting that in this passage that we see that most people, many people try to say that because the ground was cursed in chapter 3, Cain's offering was cursed because it was the ground. Well, you got to understand the differences between, it, it, it's so clear in the text, why God regarded Abel's offering over Cain's offering. It's clear. What, what, did, what did Cain do? The Bible says the, the emphasis of the time that came to pass meant that there was a time in which was set up for them to give offerings to the Lord. Cain says, all right, it's time. Let me go get this offering. Take it to the Lord. Snatch the joint. Here you go, God. I'm giving the offering to you, the fruit of the ground. They, you know, holding it all up, looking all work, holy and carrying on. You know, and Abel, Abel, though, he goes among his flock. 
He looks, firstborn, grabs the firstborn, and he gets the fat. You got to understand the fat is the good part. Now, now the fat is what God always likes. He likes the burning of the fat. Now, if you understand anything about cooking, you understand that without fat, something ain't got flavor. So fat infuses, hallelujah, flavor <laughs> in meat. And so, and so Abel, Abel took time, thought, thought through it. Says, I love God so much, I'm going to give him the best. I'm not going to just grab something. He's been too good to me. I mean, I could not be eating. My daddy messed everything up, and my mama, they wild out. Now they got us wearing fig leaves around the earth, you know what I'm saying, instead of the glory of God. You know, I'm, I, you know what? I'm going to give God the best. Let me just grab this and grab the fat portions. And he presented it to God, and God regarded his offering because it was a, uh, you'll see in Hebrews that it was an offering of faith. Why was it an offering of faith? Because it was the best. To give God the best and to give God a lot, you got to have faith. See, some of us are scared of God. Matter of fact, we're not scared of God. We're scared of, we really don't believe God will provide for us. We really, listen, we really believe that God has up his sleeve for us to, to, to him not, we, we believe that he's really, a, he's really a joker. Many of us, you can, you can say the right theology, but let me tell you something. In your heart and the way you give and the way you approach and honor God, what does your heart really say about God? See, in Abel's mind, he didn't see giving the firstling as a loss. See, many of us, when we give to God, we think we're losing something. Huh? How are you losing? You, you're not losing, you're gaining. And it's not just if you give a $10 seed today, amen, you're going to get a hundredfold return, a 2000 What if it's just for thank you? What if it's just I love you, Lord? What if it's just bless your name, God? You've been better than me than I've been to myself. Bless you, God. Um, some of us say, well, I, don't, I, I, I can't afford to give. I, like the old preacher said, you can't afford not to. Think through your giving. Think through it. This was convicting for me. I don't pray enough about my wife. Sitting down with my wife, I don't want to sit down with her and us to pray. Think through everything, not just think through what we want to get done. We're trying to get to this goal. And, we're trying to get to and you can get into all of that, have our little spreadsheets, all of that. And how much this bill costs? How much? And you can get consumed with bill paying. You can get consumed with taking care of needs. You can get consumed. But if you, if you, if you, if you seek his kingdom and his righteousness, all of these things will be added unto you. Your needs not your greed. So if you look over all your finances and you say, God, thank you. When the last time when you got your check, not just because it was late, you said thank you and prayed over your direct deposit. Say, God, thank you for no theft. Thank you that nobody stole my identity. Thank you, God. I know I'm living from paycheck to paycheck, God, but thank you that I have a paycheck. And in light of that reality, God, in light of that reality, God, I want to give to you. 
because I worship you. How many of you have given with your eyes closed and hands uplifted? And think over, Lord, I want to give you this not because I owe you anything, but because I love you. And I want to honor you, God. Will you accept this as a flagrant aroma before your nostrils, God? I know it's not much, God, and I know you own everything, but I'm acknowledging that you own me and you own it. And so here, God, here is to your name. Here is to your glory. Here is for your purpose. Here is for your kingdom. But what's interesting is the next verse is powerful. Because, and, 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 because it's, it's beautiful what it does because it says, then your, your, your bonds will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. In other words, God does bring a return on eternal investment. He does. He brings return on his investments. It, when his people invest, God gives the return. Now, we're going to talk about a, pro, a proverbial theology, but we're going to talk further about in the next few weeks about what does it look like to have a philosophy of sowing and reaping. There is it, the one thing that prosperity teachers do teach rightly is they do teach the law of the harvest. There is a sowing and reaping philosophy. However, the problem with it is that the motivation is the sowing and the reaping, not the honor of the Lord. So we do sow and reap, and I'm going to talk about that in the next couple weeks. We're going to talk about what that looks like and how you keep your heart in a right disposition while you think through sowing and reaping because Jesus said it's okay to give to get a return because he says build for yourself treasures in heaven, not treasure on earth. So, but but the tre but the tr being able to build a treasure in heaven means you honor the one who's in heaven. <laughs> and so, when he says your vast will be full, he means I'm gonna provide for you. You the the point of this uh, the, the, this parallelism is you will be satisfied. You will be comprehensively satisfied. In other words, God brings a return on every investment He makes, everyone, including the one He gave in Jesus. I want you to think about that for two minutes. That, that, that when he sold Jesus for himself to us, he expects a return. The Bible calls the church his first fruits also. When you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you don't have to turn there, verses 35 through 49, it points to the return that God wants to make. Paul is arguing Yo, there is a resurrection. And if we say that there is no resurrection, then Christ wasn't raised from the dead. But what he does teach us is something that we wouldn't have learned if the Corinthians didn't get it right. He says that Jesus Christ was a seed, his body. When he sold him in the grave, he sold Jesus in the grave through his death, raised him up to be a harvest. That harvest is us. What does he want to harvest from us that he sowed in Jesus? Well, if Jesus was raised from the dead to a newness of life, guess why he sold Jesus and why we're given? He sows and he sows death, gets life, and expects for us, guess what, to be sown? Death and life. That's why the cycle of your Christian life is consistent death, consistent life, consistent crosses, consistent resurrections regularly. That's what your life is like. So, so, so the Bible says in John 15, 8, listen to what it says. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. 
that means he doesn't save fruitless Christians. He ain't so for you to say, I'm going to heaven. That ain't, that ain't, he ain't, you ain't saved. You ain't saved. No, you're not. You, if you, you, you can't, God doesn't invest that way. God doesn't invest without returns in mind. He wants you to walk worthy of the calling with which you have been called. He wants you to say no to sin and yes to him. He says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, he says, Therefore, he says, as sojourners and aliens, abstain from fleshly lusts, which wage war against your soul. When he talks about sexual immorality, guess what he uses to motivate against it? He said, you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your mortal body. Guess what he says? This is the will of God. Your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. He says, God did not save you for nothing. God did not save you to come to church and to tithe and to live like a fool. That ain't Christianity. That ain't God saves with an end in mind. Always. You're not just saved. If you're just saved, you ain't saved. Does that mean we won't have sin? That's why we have 1 John chapter 1 and chapter 2 verse 1. But that doesn't mean let me sin so I can get more grace. Paul says, may it never be. So God is looking for his return. He's like, where's my return on my investment with Jesus? Where's, where's my return? God wants a return on his investment. Does your life daily reflect that Christ was invested into you? Is, the, is, the, is God, see, you thought this was going to be just about giving and offering and stuff. See, see, God wants a return on everything. And he's so gracious, and we're going to talk about it in the next couple of weeks, that when we invest with his honor in mind, he does return. However, he's sovereign, so he chooses what the reaping looks like. I wish I had time. But I'm just telling you, it ain't what you think it is. Just because you gave this, you're going to get a multiple of that. It's a kingdom harvest. No one, as an inner city church, no one has to become this church that likes to get, like to receive, but don't become givers. I pray that one day, I pray that even during this process, just getting this AC stuff done, that we have to tell y'all to stop. When, 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 Pastor, when Pastor Larry probably brought that up, guess what you probably thought? You probably thought about what, or Pastor Larry, you, you, probably, you probably thought about the fact that you ain't going to be able to do it. What are you scared of? What are you scared of? Give to your God. Painfully. Sacrificially. Lovingly. And he will take care of you. I remember my first ministry job was $700 a month. You know any part-time ministry job really is a full-time job. So $700 a month. And I'm about to get married to Yvette. Praise God, she still married me, amen. Had to get another ministry job and do two ministry jobs before we got married, plus finish seminary and support a wife while she's in seminary. And I remember, I remember at times when I, when I, when I would get it 
and my taxes, tax seven, tax on seven, I ended up with four hundred and forty and four hundred and ninety-nine dollars. And I'm wondering, what should I do? Should I tie it off the gross? Should I oh, give off the gross of the net? And God said, do I own all of it or some of it? And I said, by faith alone, through grace alone, through Christ alone, this belongs to you because this belongs to you. And so, God, I don't know how we're going to make it. I don't know. I mean, we've, we've cried many a nights in ministry wondering whether God was going to provide. And we've never begged bread. We've always had food. We drove hoopties for the most part of our marriage. We had to get Christian donations to get catalytic converters and <laughs> get an oil change at Jiffy Lube. <laughs> let me tell you something. God sees. Do you think he's going to let these birds that hang on this building eat? They get to go around, they find a worm. That's the sovereignty of God. Making that worm stick his head out in the ground while the bird is flying past looking. He just, come out, worm. You about to, I'm sorry. <laughs> Do you think the alley cat is begging bread? Them dogs, they got rashes, fur, not right here, walking around the neighborhood. They eating. Is he that kind of father? And I've never, we've never missed a payment on anything. Never got a pink slip. Not because we're so good at financing. Not because I was a beastie provider. I worked two, three jobs before family. But because God says, I see you working, but it's really by grace alone, through grace, grace alone, through Christ alone. And God provided every single time but it's stuck but and god will twist your arm you won't twist his <laughs> and some of you are, are struggling right now you're struggling right now and i'm praying that you would learn to trust the lord it's a life that's why he says trust in the lord with all your heart before this don't lean to your own understanding don't try to work it out in your mind be obedient and I believe our charismatic brothers and sisters, now that's the part I like about the charismatic part of Christianity. That's the part I, because I don't, like people talking about they throwing money. I don't, I, I'm not even worried about that. I'm thinking about the joy of giving. See, y'all can tell me, he throwing it up, whatever. But I'm talking more about everybody in there. There are people in there because I come from a charismatic background who gave. I remember us sitting in worship gatherings. Holy Spirit so thick, and I, I sense the Lord saying, give half of the check. Give it. I got up. Kradakin. Eight. Stuff paid for. Taken care of. I didn't even. I wasn't looking for a hundredfold return. I was looking to be obedient to the one I said I honored. I'm not bragging about that. But I want us to have a giving. I'm not talking about us twisting your arm. Trying to get in your pocket so I can drive. a, a I, I ain't trying to drive a Benz. Just get it out your head now. I don't want a Benz. I don't look for a Benz. I like how the way they look. But I don't want one. I'm not trying to get a big house in Voorhees, all right? You're not giving to me when you give. You're not giving to these elders when you give. 
You're giving to Jesus. And his laws are in existence no matter what state the church is in. Because it's about him. It's about him. And so I'm praying that we would give up all of our false views of giving and that we would begin uh, just posture ourselves in worship. Next Sunday and the Sunday after, I want us to, to sing during offering next Sunday while we're giving. And I want us to meditate on the gospel while just, just these next couple of Sundays. I want us to meditate and sing to the Lord as you give. Over the next few weeks as you give, we wait to the 1st and 15th. Right after that, we know you'll be able to give then. <laughs> but but, but I, I want us every now and then, through like Pastor Nyron reading the scripture, but then also us worshiping and not forgetting that this is worship. I'm going to shut it down. I can talk longer. But maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. You don't know Christ as Savior. Um, God is sending out his word to you, the gospel, and he does not want it to turn back void. Maybe you're here and you're not a Christian. We want you, he, and, and you don't know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin, in your place. He made him who knew no sin become sin on your behalf. In other words, he, took, he put his sin on Jesus, your sin, rather. And when Jesus died on the cross, was raised from the grave, he gives you the same pattern to do spiritually when you tr repent of your sin and trust him. By grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone. Him alone. If you would do that, if you trust in him, have faith in him. And him alone, no one else. Not Jesus and I give. Not Jesus and I go to church. Not Jesus and my Bible study. Not Jesus and grandma prays for me, but Jesus. That's you and you want to confidently trust in him and him alone. We got some cards on the back table. And we want to, our, our, our connections pastor and his team wants to connect with you. Wants to connect with you. Chop it up with you to talk, talk about what it looks like for going from spiritual death to spiritual life. Right, Father, we thank you for this time. We pray that we would honor you in every shape or form and form. But also, Lord God, we want to be those who pursue you in every area and look at every area of our life as yours, including our finances. Help us not to forget that. And help us to give abundantly and help us to give cheerfully. Ultimately, help us to give in a way that reflects what we believe about you. And based on who you are, not who we've made you up to be. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.